0: You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you. Conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more.
1: Say hello to a new era of mental health care.
0: This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Hello there, I'm Stuart Goldsmith. Welcome to the show and this episode was recorded in a meeting room kindly donated by the Soho Theatre where the previous night I had seen the brilliant Kyle Kinane. I'd never seen him before and uh, very, very pleased that he agreed to be interviewed. Absolutely love this show uh, and I believe he's doing some extra dates at the Soho Theatre. You can catch him on the 16th, that's Wednesday the 16th of July and Thursday the 17th. So if you didn't get to see him this time around and you're in London, please go and see the brilliant Kyle Kinane. So tell us about the show, um, tell us about how last night went for you, it was your first show here at the Soho Theatre.
2: First show here, I was, um, I hadn't really been on stage for a longer set in a little over a month and I get, I get rust build up real quick, so mm-hmm. I was worried, I'd, I'd come off a tour in the States and had this whole hour done, I'm getting ready to record another special, so I'm sick of it. I don't want to hear it come out of my mouth This long. one that you're doing I, here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm proud of the material, but I've been doing I I was supposed to record it back in May and then June, so I've been preparing for it since the beginning of the year. And now that it's in August, and I have to... Rep- so I just took a month off, and this is the first hour that I've done in a month. I've done spots around town, five or ten minute spots, which are... I just do new stuff when I'm back in L.A. Because that's where... I, I don't write on the road. I have a hard time... Because I feel if people paid to come to the show, I should give them the, the mostly the finished, finished project. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so I don't really, really. So when I'm back in L.A. It's, and it's, I can, I can bomb because I'm around my friends. I don't get heartbroken. Like, oh, it's a process. I'm mean, gonna be terrible tonight. Everybody yeah. knows. Yeah, you're trying new jokes. So I was worried about last night. It went and it went great. I still, I, I you know, I was getting my, getting my, <clears throat> my wheels back under me. But I thought it went well. I was pretty nervous for it. and I thought it went well. Okay. Yeah, and everybody was warning me that, like, English, like, they don't laugh. I was talking to Eddie Peppertone and Kurt Braun over. <laughs> <laughs> And they were both on the same show last, I think, last week. I'm like, it was fun. They don't laugh. I <laughs>
0: don't <laughs> you know, all right. Was that which show in particular was that? Was that a, a specific UK?
2: <clears throat> no, they had both come and done the Soho. Oh, I they see. The they found out I was time. doing it. And they're like, it's, it's fun, but they're yeah. a little bit more proper, you know.
0: I think this venue in particular attracts a very comedy literate sort of a crowd like Mm -hmm. last night I I I don't think I've ever seen so many comics in an audience that's flattering yeah well and they loved it as well and I I was saying to you last night I expected them to all come and Batter you afterwards, except that uh, Brazil lost seven uh, one to Germany. So everyone came out and were like, "Oh my god, I've just it was an incredible show, but I've just missed the best game of football ever." Yeah, <laughs> I
2: didn't realize it. it still didn't register. Register, they're like, "Oh yeah, Brazil lost." And so I'm like, mm. "So that somebody scored points in soccer, right on." <laughs> I'm still there's this weird. I'm, I'm, it, it takes, I'm, you know, stunted maturity, not like that's an elusive theme in stand-up, but I realize it. Just because I don't like something doesn't mean it sucks. Yeah. But, I've, yeah, this whole World Cup, I just, I look at it, you know, especially in the States, everybody got all rah-rah about it. I'm like, hey, you weren't this patriotic since the, the last election in the two weeks leading up for it. Yeah. And everybody wears their little I-voted sticker, and they're so proud for being a man. Then they, after a week, nobody gives a shit it's the same thing we're going to get their scarves out and they loss. lost we're like oh let's move on to the next thing what's yeah. my baseball is anybody winning alright cool All right, so I don't I, 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 yeah soccer doesn't do much it's a very, a
0: big, a lot of so, very soap opera for me do you, do you get lots of comics come to see you in I mean are you known as someone that the comics go and see
2: yeah I mean yeah it's uh, it's getting there it's a lot of I feel like the, the, the sad bearded white guy routine is the new rolled up sports coat <laughs> outfit of comedy.
0: <laughs> and so that's a I'm, lot. I'm really, unfamiliar with the rolled up sports yeah, coat, but I feel like I, I man, get man, from the context what yeah, you're saying. That,
2: that, the late 80s comedy, like when, the, when it, the boom in the States ended and the hack was... Uh, gotcha. Man, men are different than women. Like that yeah, kind okay. of thing that just ended it all with everything. And I feel I'm in the midst of that and so I and the, a lot of comics starting are that part about being pretentious but like it seems like it's a lot of sad bearded white dudes yeah and so I usually like I've, I've done shows where I'm the last guy on the, and I'm just like oh fi- yeah finally an unshaven straight white man's a man yeah. <laughs> that's what we needed on this show Another another straight white man disappointed in his privilege so <clears throat> it's I, I love it. Like so many, there's more people doing comedy than I started in '99, and there's more people now than ever. Yeah, in comedy, and if that's, I think people falsely think it's a, it's an easy outlet. Totally, I agree. You know yeah. that stand up, open mics, especially, seem to be this catch all net. For people that have failed at every other form of expression, <laughs> but stand-up is the last step before they just blast off into yeah. a homeless person screaming poetry on a street corner is open by comedy. But for that same note, it's, it's a wonderful thing that <clears throat> it, it, it can't be defined. Like if somebody could be doing something completely crazy and like, oh, but it's not stand-up. Like it doesn't matter. They put their name on the list. I'm laughing at it. So therefore, it's comedy to me. It might not be stand-up comedy, but it can be anything which has its
0: ups and downs. What's the first bit that you wrote that you felt this this worked? The, for the first kind of demonstrable bit of stand-up? I had, if
2: I could get some groans in there, I liked it. And I had a joke about did you, it. Why
0: did you? Why did you like the groans? Just that's an odd thing to say. What? Normally groans mean that a joke's failed. Well, but no? if
2: it's the people that I think are like, I want to laugh are laughing. Okay. Not, like, it shouldn't be for everybody. I see what you mean. It okay. never, if, if it's for everybody, it can't really be that great. I don't know. That's probably not a good way to look at it.
0: So you want... So the groans are laughs from people that get it and well, groans please, from I, everyone else. Yeah,
2: please... please. If, if everybody likes it, I don't think they love it. But they're like, oh, that was not a joke. That was a very clever joke. But if some people go like, ugh... Yeah, I see what you mean. <laughs> and they're, and they're going, like, <laughs> are laughing with, they're like into their fists like, oh, man. That was like a... <laughs> okay, I'll take those. Um... <laughs> Like the, the one joke that I had that everybody well, I talked about how I was just and it was all fiction too. I never really did personal so it. it was all made up. But I, like I said I was on how my family, my grandfather and my father were both veterans. Had gone through my grandfather was in World War II. My dad was in Vietnam, <clears throat> and I the closest I can come to that is that I was on a little league baseball team that was sponsored by a funeral home. I don't know if they do that out here where like you, the jur- like they'll put chip in some money yeah. so the advertisement'll be I, yeah, okay. <clears throat> on the on the unit. so and then the joke is like I'll never see I'll never know battle like that, but I do know the honor involved in wearing a uniform that thousands of people have died for. <laughs> <laughs> like so that's my contribution. And that was the one where especially, you know. Post 9 nine eleven America yeah. oh, don't say anything about it just any word like something about Marines, something about soldiers. like it's like I'm not making like it, okay it's a little bit making fun of it but it's just it's just a joke it's clearly yeah. a joke yeah there's it's no there's clearly a joke soldiers are not the victim of that joke like, yeah and it, it's just clearly in, but that was the like oh that was a written joke that was the, yeah. the punchline crafting and so. So, so where did that where did that idea originate from? Do you remember? Like if you say I that's do what... remember exactly that Go it, on. it was I was at a funeral and in the little lounge area, of the funeral home they had the pictures up of the baseball team. No, so it, it was a team. real thing. No yeah. way. And I just kept thinking like that was the, like in that day, like when I first started comedy, I couldn't stop writing. All the stories I could never sit down and write. When I first found stand up, I couldn't stop writing jokes. just any idea, I couldn't stop like And that was the turning point—the first open mic that like I couldn't stop. Like everything could be a joke, and I can make, and this whole world open up. And I find I found the one thing that I was going to be good at, even if I had to get like guitar is shitty. Okay, whatever. I gave up everything, but this is like I'm not giving up on this. This excites me more than anything else.
0: It's interesting that just going back to that example of the uh, the sport teams with the uh, funeral home sponsorship yeah it's interesting because I sort of feel like if I'd seen that or if you know uh, the comic in the street had seen that yeah you go okay that's funny because kids are running around with a funeral yeah. panel. but then there's the, the third element of it really is what makes it what lifts it which is the the idea of the you know yeah. putting seeing it in the context of military history well and it's, it's and just, that's like a really
2: but you just reverse engineer the joke yeah, the punchline exists I did I did the new material show here on Monday and yeah. It, And I have a joke. People ask me about the creative process. It's like sometimes you just see something that's funny and you just write it down. And then you you hope the universe gives you the clues for the riddle that you already have the answer to. So you have to go back with kids with a baseball jersey with a funeral home name. on There's something that's a great punchline about that. I don't know what it is yet, but I'll put it in the book. And then for the next few days, I'll just walk around going, I'm still laughing at the idea of that. I had to put down you know one tow truck towing another tow truck but I saw that and I'm like there's the, the that's the joke right there Yeah. and I, yeah. I'll I'll figure out how to but I have to write that detail down. I don't want to uh, Okay, that so
0: detail. you're you're writing down punchlines not knowing what the setups are yet and letting your brain cook on the setups yeah. in the meantime.
2: And now and now and that developed cuz that was the writing part like, "Oh, I can figure out through writing that's the mathematics I can put together to get to that conclusion." And now it's the opposite. Now I have the setups because now it's more true life stuff yeah. or philosophical pondering like walking back last night I'm like, I'm like oh I had a line like I'm not smart like I'm a simpleton that's still burdened with intellectual thought so the questions enter my head but then me trying to figure out the answers is like a monkey putting blocks together like yeah. oh god damn it why did I have to think about that <laughs> now I'm plagued with this idea I can't figure out And but that's It's at this point where you, being a comic, it's like, oh, I'm, it's it's just just philosophizing now. It's just trying to, like, comedians are just, everybody's trying to figure out life. Comedians just think they're arrogant enough that they're entertaining at it while they do it. So that's the stage I'm in. I I went away from the writing, now to the, you know, more just pondering things. And that's what's fun.
0: So, so just to follow that, your, um, 'Cause that must change. Like when you see a tow truck following another you know, turning another tow truck, you go, Okay, that's a thing I can work back from it. And now you're saying with the stuff that's more kind of philosophical or certainly more true life based or kind of written yeah. almost to a theme. Like if you're if you're writing, say, the bit about drinking in the shack um, yesterday. Yeah. A great bit, and that's a, presumably a bit you've been doing for a oh, while thanks. that's highly polished, like <laughs> you said, you're
2: Yeah, since about the beginning of the year.
0: Yeah. So That's you're. When I uh, fell the yeah, yeah, I was going to say, because you do actually have the injury that I was like, oh my yeah. god, he injured himself. How recently? How bad is the injury? If this shit is so good, yeah. the story about the injury. There's a multitude of injuries that I have right now, but the following one was at okay. yeah, beginning of the year, I think. So then, as you're writing that, as you're adding to a thing, you can't just be kind of. You can't rely on coming up with you know seeing punchlines in the street to do with that story you have to be going at it like you said from another Uh, angle you have to you're going the other direction
2: well yeah now it's the idea that excites me and I gotta rely on you know I gotta have enough confidence in myself that alright after 15 years of stand up you can go up there and relax and chit chat and be entertaining whereas before I had to get to the punchline the way I wrote it otherwise the joke wouldn't work yes so I had to be concerned about the wording because that's where the key to it being funny was. But I had no personality on stage. And that was my... Checks and balances system was that if it doesn't work with me saying it as flatly as possible, that's not a good joke. If the writing's not... I don't want to sell it at all. And that came from the punk rock thing. I never want personality to sell it. It's got to be... It's got to be a quality product. And then if people are laughing at it, okay, then I can have a little fun with it. Yeah. But the writing has to be there... In order for me to go, that's a good joke. That is fantastic. And
0: that's that's so that's so apparent in your work. Because I just like whilst you were saying that I'm kind of, you know, silently <laughs> applauding in the background going, Fuck it, this guy. Yeah, great. Right. I appreciate it. Yeah. No man, that's um I feel like I've had that thought along the way in the mm-hmm. last ten years I've been doing comedy. i am just like, Oh, wouldn't it be great to just read it out flat and then it has to work? I am you know, I've yeah. always been kind of, you know, there's all I've always had to kind of blow the wind of charisma into the sail to... You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the difference, because... Blow, blow the wind of charisma is this, so you got the wording. Yeah. Know <laughs> yeah, well,
2: yeah. But I think um, it's... Um, it's just... It's quality control. Yes. It's... Yes, absolutely. I don't... It's some, I, I never had the self-confidence to be like, nah, I got this. Sure. I was always like, I, it's going to be bad. I don't know what's going to happen. So... It's just quality control It's the same reason that <clears throat> Even now I just I don't want to like pr- Promoting and I, I feel like If the world wants you to Put it out there They'll ask you for it And that's uh, What we were talking before this started About podcasts and how many there are And it's like Why why are you doing? Does the world want you to do it? Like I never released an album until a, a label, a special thing. Like, do you want to do a record? Or like, you want? Okay, you want me to do it. Yeah. So okay. therefore, you're approving of what I'm doing. Sure. <clears throat> so many people they just put out and they just put. And it's I'm not saying it's wrong. But for me, that doesn't work. You know, you put stuff out there and hope it hits. Put videos out. Get your videos up. Make a website with videos. And it's like, no, I'm going to go. I mean, it's a much longer way. But at least if I get down that path this way, I know, I'm like, I was asked to be here. I, I, I kept, I did it the way I wanted to do it and was still asked to go to the next level each time. As opposed to hustling my way to the next level. And then getting there, like, where's your staying power? If sure. you, just hu- you have to be... There's two... You know, there's people with talent, and there's people with hustle, and there's people with a mix of both of those things. And the, sh- the shorter way is to have hustle. You can hustle, and you can charm, and you can press the flesh, and meet the right people, and get on the right shows. But if you don't have the material to back it up when you get there, you fucked yourself. You're just like oh now you, oh now you got on the good show in town and you shit the bed that the, now that just set you back so I'm like I'll do all these other shows and wait for the person that runs the good show to see me and go would you like to do my show and that's what I've stuck with that's <clears throat> and that's the quality control going oh I've earned it and I also I did it I didn't change my material to be like oh do they like this kind of stuff do they? I'm like no no I like this kind of stuff. And if you're asking me to do the show, you're approving of what I'm doing already, and that's, without me changing it to adapt to that, you know, that next thing.
0: And that's, that's complete parallel with you on stage going, I'm gonna read this completely flat, and if the idea mm-hmm. is funny enough, they'll come to me. Yeah. And that, I guess, is why you're the sort of act that c- other comedians wanna go and see. Because, I, I mean, that's exactly right. There was no hustle, you didn't come on and win us over. You spent a couple of minutes saying it's okay if you wanna get up and go to the bathroom. I'm not yeah. going to have a go at you. That I feel stuff like wasn't I... like explosively funny opening gear. No, but that was I feel you like... just being here it
2: is. Yeah, and I don't want, you know, be,
0: uh, maybe maybe it's after the
2: fact. I don't want people, people are still afraid to sit in the front row at comedy clubs. Yeah. And it's like, no, I'm happy you're here. Mm-hmm. I don't want to shit on you. I don't want, I also don't want, what's your name? What do you do for a living? I don't. I'm here, you came to listen to me talk, and I want you to be entertained by what I'm saying. I'm not, like, I'm not that type of comic. Some people do it wonderfully. Some people do crowd work. I don't. Or, you know, I'll get into it sometimes, depending on the mood. But, yeah, I feel like there's still this wounded audience syndrome of what you people want to go see comedy, not not from the 80s, but even still going to see comedy. And there's still some comedy clubs that just give out free tickets so anybody comes in, they don't research what they're going to see, they're just like, no, we like, we like laughing, so let's go to this comedy club, and it's part of an entertainment complex next to a rodeo bar and a <laughs> pizza. And it's just this flattened out, suburban, generalized, this generic date night for people that don't have creativity. And then they sit there and stare at you because you're telling a, you know, a 15 minute long story about falling in the shower. Talk about dicks or something. Talk about how women are crazy.
0: So I'd never heard of Kyle before. It makes me wonder how switched on I am when someone this brilliant, who's oh, he has got these two albums available on iTunes, uh, Whiskey Icarus and Death of the Party. I'm halfway through Whiskey Icarus at the moment and it's absolutely brilliant. Um, I, yeah, it just makes me go, God, there is a whole world of comedy out there that I still don't know anything about. It's uh, mind-blowing, really, to have your horizons broadened like that. Uh, Kyle is wonderful, as you can hear. Sensational comic, fascinating and very interesting and well-thought-out approach to comedy. Uh, We talked for just over an hour and a half, which isn't really enough for two episodes, but I didn't want to overrun or indeed cut any of this stuff. I think it's all worthwhile. So I've uploaded an additional 30 minutes of this podcast as extra content to my little web stockade, and you can download it from there, free of charge, of course. All you need to do is go to comedianscomedian.com slash Kyle, K-Y-L-E, and enter your email address. Um, If you're already signed up, that will just take you straight to the the download page. You can get the extra content. Um, And if you're not, then it'll sign you up automatically to my mailing list, a couple more clicks, and then your email address becomes your login whenever you want any extra content. You are, of course, totally free to unsubscribe immediately after downloading the MP3, and people do do that. Um, Plus, those of you signed up to the mailing list will know I'm very, very lazy at actually sending things out, so while I get stressed about my lack of marketing, you relax and enjoy a largely unbothered inbox. Um, So please do that. There's also uh, content there available with Alan Cochran, uh, that's slash Alan, A-L-U-N, and also slash Sarah for some extra Millican stuff. I think Noel Britton's got some stuff on there. You can probably guess how the system works by now. Mike Gunn, I think, has got some extra stuff. Um, So I'll put a list of it up somewhere. But for the moment, comedianscomedian.com slash Kyle. And you can download that bit of uh, extra stuff from from this very interview. A huge thank you to everyone who's donated since we last spoke. Your donations, as you know, keep this podcast afloat. There is a whole conversation to be had about advertising and we will have that conversation next week. Just thank you to everyone who's seen fit to support this show in all of the ways that you can do that. You can share it with a friend, get someone new interested in the show. I know uh, stand-ups don't want to do that to other stand-ups because it's so full of wonderful secrets. Uh, But maybe if you're a comic and you're listening to this, you could share it with uh, a civilian. Why not? And if you're a civilian, share it with a comic and they'll be indebted to you for life or uh, just another person. Just get some more people listening. That would be fantastic. Um, You can, of course, support by signing up for an Audible free gift, uh, tester, taste account, whatever it's called, at audible.co.uk slash cc uh, for Comedian's Comedian. Uh, that will sign you up to, I never know how this works. Basically, <laughs> I get five quid if you sign up to a free thing um, and you can uh, you get a free download. And then you are an Audible member. I think it's genuinely worth doing because uh, I I don't mind sort of advertising that in that respect because I, you know, I use Audible a lot. I think they're great. Um, Or, of course, the main one, you can click on the PayPal button at ComediansComedian.com and you can select any amount to donate, knowing full well that I hold you in the highest esteem regardless of the amount. Take a minute, just take a minute to think what life would be like if this show didn't exist. Can you imagine? It's hard but just try and imagine if you'd never heard Mike Gunn's photocopier story or Millikan's 11 o'clock rule or Al Murray's thing about impro being like water cracking open a rock. Imagine who you would be if you'd never heard all that stuff. A sad, broken shell of a person. And then visualise the warm light of Comedian's Comedian filling that golem like figure up with warmth and love and hope and light. And then estimate the intensity of that light in, I believe they're called lumens, units of light lumens, I think, and convert those lumens into a financial amount and then give me that amount of money. <laughs> That's how it works. You know it makes sense. ComediansComedian.com. Click on the PayPal button and, uh, yeah, what, whatever uh, uh, you think is appropriate for this show. A pound a show seems reasonable. Um, please don't try to set up recurring donations Little recurring slices of light. When that function works, I'll tell you about it. All that happens at the moment is, bless. Over the last six months or so, twelve to fifteen people have tried to set up recurring donations. What happens is, I get an email three times telling me they don't work. So it's quite a lot of emails. Um, Thanks for all the love for the Nick Doody podcast. It was. I told you it was a blinder, and it was a blinder. Thank you. So very complimentary things uh, about that to me and to Nick. I'm sure he appreciates it too. A uh, tiny little advert for my own stuff. You can see my own solo show. Uh, you can see uh, Nick Doody up at Edinburgh at the Cannons Gate, I believe, on PBH's Free Fringe. You can see my own solo show, Extra Life, at the Pleasants in the Pleasants Courtyard, the attic throughout the Edinburgh venue, uh, uh, throughout the Edinburgh Fringe at 7pm. It'd be brilliant to see you there. Uh, do bring shorts and water because it's going to be very hot. You can get tickets for that via pleasants.co.uk. And I've just remembered there's a, there's a final Bristol preview of that show. On uh, uh, Oh, I didn't remember. It's the last Friday before Edinburgh. Let me just check and see what date that is. It's on the 25th of uh, July. So that's a week on Friday. Um, And you can come along to the Black Box Theatre in Bristol. That's uh, www.thelittleblackbox.net to find a um, a ticket link for that. That's me. And a comic, uh, a newer comic, I I think it might be based in Bristol, called Martin Pilgrim. I saw him do a, a 15 recently. Absolutely brilliant guy. So come along and see both of our hours. And remember, throughout the uh, throughout the Fringe, you can also go to heroesoffringe.com and search for podcast if you'd like to buy a £5 advance ticket for one of the Edinburgh Fringe live comcom shows, currently starring Sam Simmons, Bridget Christie, Josie Long, Phil Kay, and one other, TBC. That's all I have to say to you now. Thanks for the donations. Thanks for listening. Now it's back to Kyle Kinane. <laughs> Talk about the the writing, and with reference to that shower story, you weren't that that story isn't racing towards a big payoff punchline, so much as uh, there's definitely a punchline at the yeah. end, but it's not a punchline about a funny thing that happened. The the funniest what's what's the end? What's the last line of that story? Because I remember yeah. you talking about pointing around the corner. Yeah, and
2: then I fell, and I <clears throat> I'm trying to change it. I used to start it start the bit. About how I fell in the shower, without mentioning that it was because I was drinking. I would just say I fell in the shower, and 37's not old enough. Like, eventually you do fall in the shower, you get with 37, but it's too old because i had been drinking. So, the punchline works better if I set it up. Yeah. With, and then I'm like, oh, I fell, and it's, it's the, uh, you know, it's not so much partying as it is tailgating my own funeral. Yeah. And so that goes back to me lamenting the fact that I'm too old to be drinking in the shower, but now it comes out of a different bit. And yeah,
0: like, but I, um, I think it's the, the point I'm making is that the, the punchline of that bit is not a factual funny thing that happened. That's lucky enough, a funny thing happened to me, great, I can yeah. use this. You're getting the laughs out of a beautiful way of summing up what's just happened. I mean, the, the other moment is the war bride. You're talking about... Um, <laughs> You're talking about uh, your girlfriend or a girl oh, you've been seeing yeah, at the time yeah. being so tough that someone starts some other girls kind of threatened to fight her and she handed you her earrings yeah. and you held them like a war bride. Yeah. And at that point, I mean, one of the other comics, Finn Taylor was saying to me afterwards, he's never seen an audience go from uh, the perfect uh, verbal mm-hmm. description of the situation to a round of applause. <laughs> with, you know, with with, edi- with with more economy. He's never seen oh. that more economy in that. And I, I have to agree with that. that. That sentence is so perfect everyone was just almost on their feet just going yes it. <laughs> that's exactly what that thing is and and i just think that's a real strength of yours that you're rather than relating a sort of a it's like a funny cartoon thing yeah the you know what i mean it's, it's rather than the the punchline happens because thing a hits thing b yeah the punchline happens because you've described it so perfectly that we go oh god that's it that's where the, the kind of
2: well and that's where the 15 years ago The writer, Kyle, knows how to, like... I was still built up on descriptions and metaphors and things like that, so that's where the writing part comes in, whereas that's all the jokes were, word word, word wordplay. And now I can relax in a story, and then if I hit it on one night, I'm like, oh, that did work. I write it down, and the stories get longer and longer and longer. And it's funny, when I do interviews, I'm not articulate at all about... It's oh, that's just an economic wordplay. i like, yeah, you know, sometimes I get up there and I'm kind of talking, like, and I don't, like, it's... It, it has to be a very, yeah, pre-thought, like a, a very conscious thing where I'm up there, I'm like, oh, I know what's coming next, and we can play around with this okay. sentence. We can play around with this next sentence. We've got room here. We've got to get to this point. Um, so, and, we'll- yeah, that that, that that that's just... That is from the writing background and the few people that I did like reading. Um my favorite author, author is a guy named Poe Ballanty. Not many people know him, but he wrote. And um, I don't like invoking Bukowski
0: too much because it's nobody's go-to. It's like uh, uh, in the UK, okay. it's nobody's go-to. Feel free to invoke Bukowski. He's
2: just, just a drunk. that kicked his girlfriends around. But people, oh boy, do writers love to think they're going to be the next Bukowski. I'm like you're a bar drunk. You have to write something. Um, but it, he just his stories never had. There was no lesson or end. it's just. Just a beautiful description of something mundane, <clears throat> and that's all it is. I don't have any epic story. I don't have any. I was in Melbourne earlier this year, if people they come. I don't know if it's like that with Edinburgh here. Like, you see an hour-long show, and it, it should have a theme, or people get a theme. I forget who I was talking to last night. they, they get a theme, and it's I, yeah. I just it was opening the same way I was over the last night with like, guys. Relax. I was like, I was like I don't have a theme. I'm not going to tell you. Like, oh, and this is a story about the lessons my father taught me. And then just fill the middle with some bullshit. (laughs) And at the end, go to have one story like, and this is what my father taught me. That's just like a college term paper. You have an introduction, the shit in the middle, and then the conclusion where you restate the introduction. And so I don't have that with the act. Like, no, hopefully you laugh enough at these stories. Again, my friends bitching about their lives, it's not a story that's going to go anywhere. But it's all the details and them getting increasingly more frustrated and frustrated at things that you laugh at. You go, you, you, you know, my dad's complaining about his job one day, but kind of like I'm like at least you're laughing. He's like, if I don't laugh, I'm going to cry. So I'd rather laugh about it. but that sums it all up. And there's nothing, no giant tragedy that happened. Just this, like, oh, I guess I'm going to get a job and hang out for the rest of my life. And talk y- about that.
0: <laughs> and yet there is there is structure to the hour that. that- we saw last night. You performed last night. There was, and I thought the structure was very deft because it absolutely wasn't um, slot A into tab B. And then I, you know, like, like you said, it's not a term paper. It's not here are my conclusions. There are links between the stories that you're telling, which I thought were very subtle. Like you're in the shower, you're listening to music, and that lets you riff on Lionel Richie. Yeah, and that that gets you into love. And then the the I thought you made a a really. I mean, I don't know if I should call it profound, but your, your argument about don't love... Don't call it profound. <laughs> well, no. I, okay, in, in fact, let me call it worthwhile. You, Thank you. <laughs> you said something worthwhile about love, which is, you know, and that's a very unusual angle to take, and what you were saying was that I've never experienced that big love that we're all supposed to experience. Can't love just happen in little ways? And yeah. that is all you said about it, apart from the descriptions that you then, you know, the stories you went on to tell about it. But... As a result, I came away feeling like I'd seen a show that was more meaningful and more thematic than if you had come on and said, here are my thoughts about love." That. Well, that's also in
2: direct response to, you know, sad bearded chubby white guys like, all right, I'm trying to get in better shape. I don't have much of a chin, so I'm going to keep the beard. I've got to start writing happier material. <laughs> and it's also, it was a great writing challenge... To go, that that's like the best right. That when I started, like if I get angry about something, why am I angry about it? Am I right to be angry about it? If I'm angry about it, do I have a solution to it, or am I not right to be angry about it? And that was been the best, like, oh, it, parts uh, responses. seeing somebody comments, oh, so I just broke up with my girlfriend. Like, what's the opposite of that? Oh, I'm you know not totally. Uh, disgusted by the idea of love and it might happen even if i'm not in it like trying to write positive comedy like that's been the biggest goal because i realize i've got to separate myself from this pack of sad bearded white dude comedy so i'm trying to hopefully yeah make it a little bit more make it something that's not just jokes the first album i did i got to bitch about having a day job and not knowing what i was doing in my life because that's where i was at I, I didn't, I was still working shit jobs, I had no faith. That's the material I was doing. And then the second album, the second special was like, I'd been on the road, I started making a living at comedy, but it wasn't, it was just, you know, many jokes about being in airplanes or something, and, because that's where I was at in my life. Now I'm a happy person, and it's disingenuous to go up there and be like, man, doesn't this stuff suck, doesn't this stuff suck? I'm getting paid to do comedy. I've traveled more than I ever would have if I didn't do comedy. I, I'm not going to be disingenuous and act like life's, life's amazing right now and I'm trying to reconcile the fact that I'm doing something so silly that like my dreams came true and I can't bitch about anything in the world so I'm not going to do it in comedy. I'm going to, like, try and talk about things that are joyful and make me happy and try and answer more philosophical questions through comedy than just get up there and falsely bitch. I get upset when comedians... They don't grow from one thing to the next. I mean, I still do plenty of drunk stories because I still go out and drink. I don't do, I'm not getting into as many shenanigans as I used to. They're fun. So some of the stories are from years in the past, but they pertain to things now. You know, there's a story about the, the cop. Like, yeah. like, I don't hate all the police officers anymore. And that's just, I forgot the part I was, like. Am I getting, old? Am I getting softer as I'm getting older? that I just don't have that anger, that youthful anger, or am I just more well-rounded, and I'm not, it was stupid, you know, you're you're an idiot when you're 17, to, you know, hate all the guys, but that's who you are when you're 17, and you, they're the enemy, and you get older, like, uh, whether I like it or not, I might be maturing and seeing more well-rounded uh,
0: concepts in the world, and so that's what I wanna talk about. If, um, how much, how much, Thought, how much calculation goes into that? The example you've just given, the party cop story, which is a yeah, it's a great story, and it's obviously something that happened a long time ago, but as you said, you made it very vivid and immediate, and you made it about an experience you're going through now. How much how much thought went into that before telling it on stage? Did you start with, here's the party cop story, this'll be funny, or did you start with, how can I describe the way I feel about uh, the changes that I'm going through in, in how I see the world. It's, Which well, came first? Well, I mean,
2: because... I mean, because I do still enjoy the drinks every night, I, you know, I see a lot of those... a lot of these stories that I remember getting very grey. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm trying to write yeah. down details. To be, I mean... And honestly, like, how, well, how many of the details are true? I just remember guys carrying a body bag out of this party we were at. Because he did tell... Like, a guy came down on the porch and told us guy who died upstairs and then they were out still like smiling and chatting them girls on the sidewalk mm-hmm. that's what I remember most. that's you remember okay and but I remember this and look like, what a ridiculous thing that was just a ridiculous situation and I just put that okay I, I just remember that detail that I was at a party where somebody died upstairs and the cops broke they didn't mean to break up the party they just came down to hang out at the party because they were having a boring <laughs> night upstairs but then with this theme of like okay I'm, I'm getting older and it's the mental things that are changing about me, whether it's maturing or, like, weird, uh, you know, brain slippage. But, like, oh, I can make it work within this because, you know, I come up with that I don't hate all the cops anymore. Yeah. Because, I, you know, more and more, I get more and more upset. with I don't, oh, I don't even like admitting it, you know, seeing the 99%, like, all the Occupy protests. But then... I still see more people are just there to smoke pot and yell at cops. And it's like, you guys are... There's a, a, the, the root of this is a good thing, and you're fucking it up. And it's making me pissed because I can't just wholeheartedly get behind stuff without going, wait a minute, 19-year-olds are dipshits most of the time. And as much as they... I love that you can still think in ideals. But I'm upset also with myself because I'm losing the idea like that the world doesn't work in ideals. And so I want you to make a change, but you're doing it the wrong way. So just see if I'm like, if I was a cop and that was all I was doing, I'd probably hit one of these fucking kids with a baton. <laughs> <laughs> and then you like you have that feeling and you hate yourself. You get so angry with yourself. Like, I'm on the other side of things now. I'm on the other side. I'm getting annoyed with political correctness instead of where, you know, 10 years ago, I'm like, yeah, but i like... Um, and, you know, I'm getting so upset with everything that's true. Like the world isn't made of eggshells, and I also realize that as a straight white man, I can't say that because I've had no challenges and nothing but privilege. And so it's 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 a, a small way of me trying to figure that. Out. Like, oh yeah, I don't hate all the cops. Some of them are doing. They, they really do think they're doing the right thing. Not a lot of them. But L.A. right now, I mean, you get. they sh- you know they're shooting. Innocent people. There's like been mistaken police shootings so much in the past, but then, I you know, I'm back in Chicago hanging out with friends, and it's like some like there's cops that I know now that I'm yeah. hanging out with. Yeah, like oh yeah, and you're not. I have no idea how you talk to civilians, but still, as a police officer, you got to approach every like oh this guy's driving. You know, there's no license to this and that. Everybody's got guns now, and you have to have that. That callous on it.
0: Given how uh, articulately you, uh, you talk on stage and off stage, given how uh, intellectual really you are, do you feel that on stage you're hiding that intelligence? Do you feel that the fact that you're a guy in a, a beanie hat and a beard and you've, you know, you kind of. Uh, do yeah, um, you, you see what I mean like the persona is kind of like oh I'm this kind of hoary old kind of guy I mean it it's
2: like does the does the act create the, the person or does the person create the act I, I don't I don't discuss yeah, yeah <laughs> I mean I, I don't uh, I don't think I'm I'm clearly like when I'm interviewed like on the spot I just talk out my ass and I go for way too long and I try to sound smart and I just wind up rambling myself into a corner uh I don't. No, I mean, well, I'm not going to wear a suit. I'm not. I'm not that guy. Does the does the appearance kind of help it? Yeah, you know. But I always, every time I tried to worry about what I was wearing, I'd say it's calculated. But it's like this, these are the clothes I have. I don't have other clothes, and so if that's the way I look, yeah. It was a depression beard that I grew. In '07, when I thought I'd blown my comedy career by failing
0: at a big festival, so which you know, which I, festival? Uh, the, it
2: was the last year of the Aspen Com. Loved hearing
0: loved to hear about failure on the show. What happened? How'd you? I it? just I had I had a
2: set. I had my well crafted jokes uh, that they liked, and you you practice them. And I went up there, and I got I, I I got I was I got drunk before all my shows back then. I'd get drunk before nerves. I'd be nervous, so I'd get drunk. And I just got drunk and then didn't, tried to, you can be drunk and have personality, but when you try and remember the correct wording of things, it just comes out like a bad sales pitch. And so, just nothing happened, I mean, it wasn't even, it wasn't even a dramatic bomb that would have been a great story, it was just like, oh, this guy's... Not, yeah, just another had, comedian. Yeah, just bad sets, and I'm like, oh, I pissed away that one opportunity for exposure, uh, and I in, alright, well that's that, I came back to LA and that was a turning point, because I realized all this stuff I'd been planning and working on the joke, I'm like, oh I could just talk about whatever, I could talk about being, like i do some real weird shit that I think's funny to me but sounds sad to other people it's still one of my favorite jokes is is that it ever get so lonely that you sleep on your couch instead of in your own bed because at least that way it feels like you're laying next to somebody and I love it so because I was doing I was like oh yeah that's I realized that's why I was sleeping on my couch is because I had limited mobility because it felt like somebody was next to me instead of rolling around in a bed alone. And again, what, it, it didn't get groans, but it got it, it got more people going oh yeah, but it got people that look like me going oh I get that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I realized how much more powerful it was for people to understand something than to just laugh at the wording of it like laughing at it because you, you relate is so much different than going that's a crafted joke good job like going ha I know exactly what this guy's talking about and then they're on board to listen to you say anything else now. and so that's when I came back to LA just grow like the giant beard and was just doing all that material and that's when things started because that's when people were going oh he kind of doesn't give a fuck anymore and it's not that I wasn't trying I, I had nothing else to do I worked a day job and I went and did comedy at night that's just what I did. That was my routine. That was my poker game. I just go out every night and perform comedy. But it would, that's the material was changing. I'm like, I'm going to talk about being bummed out and having no idea what this day job, like how, I mean, that, the whole first album was from that point on. It was for me going, I sell fucking cake decorations. This doesn't even make sense. Like, that was my job, was selling cake decorations on the phone. Like, I did, like, just. Talking about, how, yeah, having a philosophical breakdown of like, what, what am I, I'm useless in this world. <laughs> and that's what started hitting and, and everything. I don't know why I still, but then that was the image that I had from there on out. And, the, you know, the look kind of went along with it. Also growing a beard, that was hiding. Like, well, I, I didn't, I, I never, I don't really look at the audience much unless it's completely blacked out. I still get nervous if I make eye contact with somebody in the audience. And the beard was also—it was a great way, like, to walk on stage. People were like, "What's gonna happen to this guy?" Because it wasn't—not I would obviously it was not the first comedian to ever have a beard, but I just had this big, ridiculous beard, and people were just like, "What's this guy gonna talk about?" So I had my opening joke just by appearance, and um, so yeah, I looked like a weirdo, but it got people on board because I didn't, it was like, "Oh, a little cuddly homeless guy." But I stuck with that, and I really kind of want to shave the beard now that it is a thing. Yeah, like, yeah. Because, yeah. because now the people that get up, they're like, well, they make fun of their appearance. like, you dress like that.
0: Yeah, man. No, you you put be. that on.
2: <laughs> You're the one who didn't shave. And yeah. I mean, and I did the same thing. I did the Look same thing. Look at this thing.
0: ridiculous hair, everyone. Joke. Well, yeah. yeah. Yep, that's the haircut you chose. Can trace. you believe yeah, that's you. You yeah. have
2: control over this. <laughs> But uh, but I did the same thing, but it was well, hopefully it was more self-aware. Like I know, like I was just saying, I know what I can and I can't do in this world mm-hmm. with this look. I'm not going to falsely try and do one thing with the look. But uh, so then that that just stuck, and yeah, I was never one to dress fancy for the stage. I didn't believe that was the Hedberg thing. Like oh, this guy just looks comfortable. And he's got his own thing going on. Like, yeah, that's how, that, that's how I always dressed, and I don't think maybe it is still like the beard trying to like su- you surprise somebody with what's going to come out of your mouth but like oh I'm not a
0: complete dipshit but
2: I don't think I'm trying to hide much anything
0: the, uh, that turning point you described when you went from here's, this, here I, here's the clever word play or it's not word play here's the, here's the brilliant description of something that gets a laugh to then being in a situation where people are reacting on a gut level this, mm-hmm. I get this experience did your writing change or was it that you I suppose what I'm asking is um, were you previously sitting down and writing out longhand and then there was yeah. a change in that process when you went actually I'm just what you call chit chat I'm just going to talk about my feelings and actually mm-hmm. write live
2: yeah, yeah. I mean uh, there was more pen to paper writing before that it was also like oh I fa- I, that's when I started to find an audience and that's what you're like. Oh, there's a lot more people out there like me, right now. That just just liberal arts school, went to college because you're told you're supposed to. Now you're just under a mountain of debt and still not doing shit with your life. And like what? Like ugh. And so when I found that, oh, it was easier for me to go on stage. Going, oh, we do have shared experiences, and I could talk about that. And, and again, just really like, oh man, this is what I do for a living. It's stupid like that. And yeah, I, because it was conversational. Because I all of a sudden realized I was talking to people that knew exactly what I was talking about. But people with similar experience, Especially in L.A. when it was, you know, a lot of people just going, I guess I'll just pursue my dreams now. I mean, I could either work a shit day job with my liberal arts degree in any other city. Or I may as well take a chance on it and go to L.A. or New York and just see what happens. And so that was also a similar, you know, everybody was out there, but we make, my friends are, have careers and are buying houses right now, and I'm sitting here with three roommates working at a coffee mm-hmm. shop because I think I'm a comedian or I think I'm an actor. And <clears throat> So yeah, the, the, I found the audience, and it was much easier to write on stage when I knew a, like,
0: when they were being responsive. <laughs> you don't really riff a lot when people are staring at you now. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So is there, is there still an element of pen-to-paper writing?
2: more in the idea state, like again like just having a thought and going like there's something there like that that doesn't go away like ah, there's something funny about that there's, you know last night walking home I, I got real excited cuz I had to come home and write down that just the idea that if like if you believe like b- believing in reincarnation is no sillier than believing in heaven but also if you believe in reincarnation you have to believe in incarnation like maybe you're the first version of something and that in five hundred years somebody's gonna have a past life reading and it's just gonna be you, and it's gonna be the saddest past life reading for that person. Just be like, Yeah, you're just a guy that kinda ate too much pizza and hung out <laughs> Very, like the most unfulfilling former life that you could have would be mine. Like <laughs> looking back on, oh man, this guy was a drag, and that's who I am now. Or maybe it makes sense to him, like, what's pizza? Oh, it makes sense. I am like that guy. <laughs> so that's just the concept of I don't know where the punchlines are yet, but the concept of it makes me laugh. So I had to get that idea down because I forget stuff. Because it's me walking home after having drinks, just just you know, just bouncing around, getting whimsical, and just uh, you know, know, enjoying my own brain for one of those few moments that I enjoy my own thoughts instead of being tortured by (laughs) them. Like, oh, write it down. That's a pretty good one. You're you're smiling at your own jokes right now. Write it down and see if it's funny tomorrow.
0: Um just to to wrap up there's just two two more things i want to talk about one is you seem to be you seem to be your approach to the comedy industry like you say waiting to be asked to do things and waiting until someone asks you to do a dvd or what have you that's a very kind of guarded approach i wonder i mean it makes a lot of sense absolutely and enables you to feel confident that wherever you are you're supposed to be yeah but I wonder, is that, are you sort of trying to protect yourself as well? Are you trying to protect your, your, um, yourself, your dignity, or something like that, by not overreaching and making the mistakes that maybe you've seen other people make that then caused you to lose yeah. respect for it?
2: Well, I, you know, I want to feel like I've earned it. I want to feel like I, I have a right to be there. Why, so, is, why
0: is that? I think there's plenty of people who don't need to feel like that. I think good for them, <laughs>
2: right on. That you can just be like, give it, give it to me. I'm like, no, I want to earn it. I want to earn my lot in life. I think it's. I think I just need it for yourself. for me. I need it for my self esteem. I need to be able to. I don't. I don't dislike myself as much as maybe if the act lets out like that. or most, I don't. I'm. I'm proud of what I've done. I'm, uh, it's not a traditional path in life, but it worked. And I think it worked because of that. Because, like, no, I'll be asked to do. It. I'm gonna make sure what I do, I'm proud of. This act, I want to be proud of it. If somebody else likes it, great. But I have to be happy with it. And because of that, I'm happy with myself. And I'm, you know, I'm never in the moments where I would start to think I was depressed. I think, I think people. Misdiagnose themselves with depression way too often. It's like no, maybe you just have a case of the blues. Life sucks a lot of the time, it's okay to be sad. I don't, I don't, I don't want to cheapen the idea of depression by saying like, oh, I suffered from depression. It's like, no, oh, I was bummed out for a lot of times because life sucks once in a while. And like, oh, I'm not happy, and right now I'm happy because of those things. Uh, because I don't think, it, but yeah, maybe I'm guarding my own well-being. You know, I'm guarding my happiness instead of just going like. Well, it's not really ready yet, but okay, I'll do another special. Oh, I don't. Uh, they, you want me to act in the thing? It's not really funny, but okay, I'll do that. Like, no, I'm I'm happy with the way things are. So yeah, I think I'm guarding my own happiness like that. Do you read criticism? Do you read reviews? I do. I wish I was. I wish I could say something cool. Like, nah, fuck <laughs> it. But I
0: totally read them. What What piece of criticism has most stunned you? Um, do you count reviews as much
2: as people bitching at you on Twitter? Or, like, I mean, yeah, if, you, if
0: anything that you anything that you took away, because my, my kind of pet theory is if it really hurts, maybe there's an element of truth to it that you recognize. It, well, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want I don't I don't want your response then to be guarded because you're like, oh, I, no, I, I was, to I, was I was
2: making fun of trigger warnings and somebody got on me by like, well, to those white man that doesn't uh, know that it's okay to be sensitive to stuff. I'm like, my argument. But again, I maybe I did see that, yeah, I am a straight white privilege, and I'm not a men's rights dude or anything like that, but it does, you, know, you get that point like, oh, so I don't get to criticize everything because the world's not made out of eggshells. And so that bugged me. But then, okay, why did it bug me? Again, oh, that, that did bug me. I have to look inside. I so Why did it bug me? Are they right? Or do I want to argue with them? I don't want to argue with so that, but that wasn't a review. That was just I put some smart ass shit on Twitter that I didn't think about. And that's what you do on Twitter. You don't think about it. You just flip it off there. So I don't think that counts. When, I mean, it, the states, they, they review comedy with kid gloves, they don't, they don't cut into they don't review it like theater. It's still not an official. It's still like this wacky guy and they just talk about it.
0: <laughs> okay. So We're, there's no actual analysis. of say so the It's point. always...
2: You're either absurd or dark or yeah. clean. Or, you know, like there's, there's so many just limited ways they describe stand-up. in this So I haven't been review- more on message boards now as the people that are like... It's not reviewers, it's people that will go on and, oh, this guy was good. you nobody. Really, yourself. He, oh, I, I, I used to... I don't anymore because now it's more if somebody wants to say shit directly to you they'll put it on Twitter and I didn't I stopped again the distancing I to guard my own happiness I need to like distance myself from those things um but I really I haven't had many negative reviews people again people won't say the way comedy is treated in the states is you say something nice you don't say anything at
0: all uh which presumably kind of renders it worthless yeah so it's not a review I mean not not that I'm suggesting reviews have worth anyway outside of the the ability the, the, to get the idea the
2: easy. idea of somebody goes man I went to this show and this person this person and this person were great and you weren't listed in it you're like yeah I didn't have a great set that night or if you're one of the people that that were like oh okay that's a review that they enjoyed the act but I, there's not the last two albums were got re- well reviewed and beyond all my expectations and we're making top ten lists and so now I feel that the third one like they just build you up to tear you down I don't know if I'm at that level yet but now it's a little bit like yeah it's not as funny Like, so I'm just going to call it a third like the third special is just going to be called I like this old stuff better and just get ahead of the game and just like alright I already called it that what do you want to say yeah again quality control <laughs> <Like> <laughs> now you gotta come up with a better review than the one I just called the album <laughs> but I do I'm you know I, I, I think I'm getting big enough to the point where people start taking shots which, all right, it's a sign of success when they want to start pulling you apart instead of like, oh no, keep going. You're gr- no, keep going. You're the little guy. You're the little guy. We're gonna make you the big guy. Now you're the big guy. You're fucking this up. You can't talk about this. You can't say this. So, whatever. Again, I just do, do do what I do. Hopefully, enough people like it to where I can pay my bills. I'd
0: like to end on a slightly more upbeat than that. <laughs> I feel like t- by finishing on a, the subject of criticism, I've kind of r- rushed you back into a, I a protective Yeah, I,
2: I just haven't experienced much negative criticism. I, f- I feel that it is on the horizon, and uh, it affects me. I want to say it doesn't affect I want to be punk rock and be like, I oh, don't give a shit, but again, yeah, I, I know. I read it, and I'm like, oh. But if I don't think they're right, then I don't worry about it. If people are still enjoying it, then are we, fine. We're just gonna keep going.
0: And finally, then, if you could, I know there's a lot of new uh, comics and uh, pre-comics, and you know, pe- people mm-hmm. who want to do comedy, listen to this podcast. What do you would you have? Would you be able to sum up kind of like? I mean, in previous episodes, I've talked about like what would you have on your comedy gravestone? Like, yeah. What's the one big message for you that you'd like to?
2: That. I mean, advice or an actual obituary?
0: Uh, advice. Like, you're, you're if you you find that if you had, you know, someone... <laughs> I've just had a vision of someone, like, jumping out of the door in, a, in, a, in an airplane. They're going to just jump out of yeah. the parachute. You've got five seconds to say, hey, remember, oh, yeah. before you become a comedian, this is, this is the thing. Remember. Yeah,
2: yeah. Love it enough that you'll do it for free forever. If you don't love it that much, then... It's not meant to be. You're not going to make a living. You won't become famous. Just love it because you love it. And that's why you do it. So love. Oh, fuck. I screwed it up. That was way too long in five
0: seconds. Thanks, man. That was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so that was Kyle. He's just great, man. If that, if that episode, if you don't know his stuff, and that episode didn't make you want to check him out, then you are dead to me. Um, <laughs> I, I just, i he absolutely blew me away. He's one of those ones where you come away going, oh, oh, that's what stand-up comedy is. Brilliant and I know I obviously I'm nice about all my guests I wouldn't have them on the show if I didn't think they were great but mwah, great thank you to Ben Lund Conlon uh, for the podmin thanks to Lee Griffiths at Soho Theatre also Kelly Fogarty Sarah Dodd and Steve Locke at the Soho Theatre um, for kindly letting me uh, use their space and uh, being very positive about the podcast it's very nice to uh, be in cahoots with those guys um, this episode was co-produced by Nathan Wood he's back so now it probably sounds better and I just I should say I noticed recently that the sound quality when played through a car stereo is very different to how the show sounds uh, when played through my laptop. Uh, I hope those of you who've been struggling with that in the past, I hope the sound quality of this one is a little better. We are taking steps to adjust that uh, and to make that the best sound experience for you that we can. Um, so, yes, but now Nathan's on the case Um hopefully things will start getting better all over again. So thank you very much to him. Thanks to Dan Melrose for the music. I've had words with Dan and I think we're going to get some um, some fruity new uh, stings and uh, fiddling about with the music stuff uh, soon whilst retaining the the essential character of the show, which is a sort of twiddly idiot. <laughs> but there it is. That's the character. Um, that's everything. Remember, comedianscomedian.com slash Kyle, K-Y-L-E to get Uh, hold of the extra content from this show next week brilliant very very different brilliant Welsh comedian Noel James is going to be talking very seriously about wordplay one-liners and the various struggles that uh, many of us undergo in the name of comedy so uh, I've recorded that one I think you're really going to enjoy it Noel James next week that's all for now I'll speak to you soon (coughs) bye-bye